0: The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network.
1: The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By
0: tomorrow, I will rule the world! (laughs) You think he's gone? He's
1: not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone!
0: Is this some radical new therapy? You
1: see?
0: What movie was it? What about Bob? Okay. When you were just talking to me do, 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 do. Oh, Probably one of the best movies the ever made, as far as harmonies go. And I listen more
1: attentively <laughs> There must have been something
0: In we that ball.
1: nothing that wasn't quite That's so easy, easy to see And I must have missed something Alrighty. When you
0: were just talking to me all right. What's the dispense with all of this foolishness? I wish I had a, uh, I wish I had a, uh, uh, an ashtray here, but we'll make do. Don't worry about it. Hey, how's everybody doing? You in the yellow car? Everything okay? Awesome. No, that's but, not yellow. That's gold. Oh, it's gold. All right. I'm yeah. sorry. Paul's always got to correct me, even in yeah. the world of fiction. Yes. Uh, to get your fiction down we right. We are happy to have you here on the Paying Attention podcast. Uh, hi, I'm Tom Duggan. You haven't met me yet. You think you have, but you really haven't. You guys have met depressed Tom. Tom's been depressed for the last, like, nine months. Tom's not depressed anymore. This is Happy Tom, and you guys, I think, are going to like Happy Tom way more than you like Depressed Tom. I don't although, know. Although, apparently, people really did like Depressed Tom. Depressed Tom is less dangerous. No, I don't. I don't well, you're probably right about that. You're probably right about that. I have to hold yeah. back. I have to, I have to hold back when I've got stuff going on. Uh, we have all kinds of things to talk to you today. We've got about an hour here in the Paying Attention podcast here high atop the Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And uh, we want to thank Tom and Nancy Troy once again for having me on Political TNT, which is another show uh, that they tape here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I think they got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2,700 views, and they're all walking on clouds about it. And um, they, they love the fact that we kind of merged the shows. They had me on as a guest. and Are you going to have um, them on? Yeah, I'm gonna. One of these days, when you bail, try to bail on me at ten yeah. o'clock in the morning, the day of the show, yeah, I'd then, see you, if I then get you have me. somebody to right, have someone exactly. to someone to. And had you asked me like yesterday, I could have yeah. gotten somebody for today. But I see. ten a.m. was a little too close to the show. Um, we have uh, all kinds of stuff to get to. Um, there are some things that I'd like to talk about throughout the show. My lawyer has begged me not to talk about them during the show. Um, the one thing that I can talk about is process stuff. Everybody knows I was in court with Methuen Mayor Jim Jijugit, uh this week uh, on our, uh, his lawsuit against the Valley Patriot and against me and against, uh, obviously, the First Amendment. Um, so at some point, we can talk about that uh, as far as the process and what happened. Not necessarily. I can't talk about the substance of the case, obviously. Um, we also have a bunch of stuff. And I, there's one thing that I really kind of wanted to start with, Paul, uh, not to put people to sleep right away. But um, since you are our Catholic Church expert, uh, there's an awful lot of news going on with the Catholic Church this week as it relates to uh, priests who have uh, violated not only their vows, but like every law and every moral to humanity by um, molesting children. We all know that it's a very small number of priests. Just like it's a small number of cops that are bad or a small number of doctors that are bad. But that's not the way the media plays it up. And so I thought maybe we have a guy here who actually seeks truth and likes truth. Uh, maybe you could impart some truth with, uh, to my readers, to my uh, listeners, as far as what we're being told by the media versus what's real. Because I've found, especially when it deals with the Catholic Church... What's real and what the media tells you are usually two different things.
1: Well, that's a it's a big question, and uh, I certainly don't have all the answers to it. I can only give you what I surmise and my take from all that I have read, and that is, you're right. It's first of all, let's put that on the table. That of course, obviously that I'm right. Obviously, that it's a small. He doesn't percentage. like saying
0: that I'm right. So he has to put that
1: on the table. <laughs> just like just like police, uh, there's a lot more, a bigger percentage of teachers. And stats indicate even Protestant ministers and and other, obviously, other vocations and jobs that have bigger percentages of uh, sexual molesters, but that's neither here nor there. The the media loves to focus on the Catholic Church,
0: obviously. Well, because they hate the Catholic Church. Yeah. They hate Catholics.
1: Well, they hate Catholics because the, the church and her teaching get in the way of its materialistic hedonism. Right. Um, I like
0: that, by the way. I'm going to start my own party, the materialistic hedonistic party.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could, uh, you could get in.
0: I would do very well. I could be like the grand master of that party. Yeah.
1: Yeah, on the one hand, your heart will be in it, but your head won't be.
0: Right, yeah, that's true.
1: Because you have a huge heart-head dichotomy in, in, I do. in that person of Tom Duggan. Yes. That, uh, that doesn't well, make any sense. Well, you're assuming
0: that I have a heart. That's why it doesn't make no sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to you because you're assuming that I have a heart. Uh, okay. I have no you're, heart. You're the tin man. Yeah, I have no heart.
1: But, yeah, I do think that Pope Paul VI said it in the 1960s, in the late 1960s. He said... The smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God, mm-hmm. and it was pretty profound because I do think that the the great onslaught of secular progressivism that began in the '60s and '70s in this country did make its way into the Catholic Church, and particularly um, its homosexual um, agenda mm-hmm. uh, sort of seeped its way in. I mean, you now here is the organization of the Earth that is the pillar of moral teaching that teaches the world that homosexual behavior, homosexual acts are unnatural and intrinsically disordered and should never be, even if those who have that orientation, they should resist those acts. And here you have, all of a sudden, in the past 40 years, a population within the church that is not listening to her own teachings. Right. And so... In one sense, obviously this is extremely sad, particularly the victims that are involved, and the scandalous silence that I've been talking about for 40 years of a lot of these clergy are just silent on the church's teachings, on moral teachings, because I don't even think they believe them, and uh, their behavior is is bearing that out. And again, it's a small percentage, but it's a loud percentage. It's sort of like like the homosexual... um, uh, population in the in the in the greater culture it's a small percentage but it's a loud percentage
0: so let me ask you this cuz i'm going to get emails from people who hate you and of yeah. which there are many i'm actually kind of surprised you have almost as many haters as i do Oh, um, just just think of the look at the things I say on Facebook right. and in other, other places. But I'm going to get emails from haters hmm. saying that you're equating homosexuality with pedophilia because the real well, issue is pedophilia and so I just kind of want you to bridge that so that I can okay. uh, I will, so, I will, so that I can actually defend you when they say that.
1: I will just say because this Right to, now I'm having a hard time. With I will this. just say this to everyone, look in Google if you want. Look into the statistics. My my research is that almost 90% Of all of the cases that have occurred, uh, that are recorded, have been of a homosexual nature. And of those, probably around 90% are of post-pubescent adolescents and young adults. So we're talking like 15 to 24 or something like that, in that 14 or 15 to 20, early 20s. Right. This is not literally, if you look up the definition and if you understand medical, um, uh, the, the medical definitions of these things, this is not pedophilia to use, uh, to say that the church is going through a pedophilia crisis is a lie. It's, well, it's a falsehood. It's not pedophilia. It's, it's molestation. It's, um, it's using, uh, you know, power and all that kind of stuff that the me too movement is talking, me too movement is talking about, but it's not pedophilia. It is, um, Homosexual predation. That's basically what it is. And in
0: one sense, I'm I think, excited. I think, I think you made it worse. I was trying to give you an opportunity to make it better, and I Why? think you made it worse. Because I think what you're saying, at least what, from a layman's perspective, what I'm hearing is don't call it pedophilia. It's not pedophilia, but it really kind of is. They're kids, right? No,
1: it's not pedophilia. Pedophilia literally is the molestation or the attraction, if you don't act on it, of, of prepubescent children. I see. This is adolescents and young adults.
0: Okay. Is it is it splitting hairs? Uh,
1: it's, no. It's, because still, it's
0: still just as disgusting, right?
1: There's another word for it, actually. It's not pedophilia. It's
0: u- 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 eubophilia or something That's like that. That's not what they said on Law and Order. There was actually a whole, uh, there was actually a whole episode. <laughs> what you're saying is yeah. technically true, but yeah. I, I don't want people to overreact to what you're saying um, based on common, many, common thoughts of what pedophilia is. Is really kind of any kid many under 16. Of them,
1: many of them are minors. Yes. But none of them are children in the real sense of the word. Children, but
0: it's no less despicable. It's no less. I d- think it's, u- it's utterly no despicable. It's, it's no less criminal. So if
1: we uh, uh, utterly, utterly, spi- you, you know how disgusted I am about these things. I know. I think you that, get disgusted that I have sex outside of marriage. So I can't even imagine right. how you feel about pedophilia. <laughs> I mean. That's true. Uh, it's it's true. These these people who have infiltrated the church and have infiltrated the clergy have. Um, used their power in nefarious ways and in one sense and I was going to say this before in one sense I think this is an exciting time because finally after several decades of this nonsense of this crap if you, if you will I think finally it's going to be uh, there are signs that this is going to be cleaned up and the church is going to be purified How does, the, how, does the,
0: how does the church do that? I mean I don't want to spend much more time on this but how does the church... All right, there are two two ways. Go I mean you can't stop it's like someone who's got a criminal mind but they don't have a criminal background at yeah. least they've never been arrested applies to get on a police department so they can commit crimes right. while they're cops is basically what you're saying is happening in the Catholic Church that there are people who are rapists or pedophiles to begin with who get into the Catholic Church to get access to children and how do you stop that? I mean, if police departments can't stop well,
1: it. Well, they they w- you don't stop anything in this world after the gar- after we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. You don't start one hundred percent of you don't stop one hundred percent evil anywhere. So it's impossible to get a perfect result. Right. Obviously. Now to get as best results as you can, there are two things to do. Number one, it's what the Church has been doing for the past several years, and what the Pope seems to indicate he wants to do, and that is more stringent laws and oversight regarding the clergy. I don't think that works. Um, all that well, but...
0: Your laws don't work. T- telling um, someone that you're going to do something after the fact isn't really going to help. My, uh, what I think should happen, and,
1: and I, I make a, an analogy of what I'm about to say to illegal immigration and, and its laws. I think the church's laws uh, regarding the ordination of people who have same-sex proclivities should be uh, enforced, and they're not enforced. They haven't been enforced. There was clear laws in 19, uh, written in 1966, and then again in 2005 with Pope Benedict, that, that men who have a homosexual uh, proclivity, uh, would not, it would not be fitting for them to be ordained. Hence, they should never be ordained. That has been uh, largely ignored. And I, I think if that is no longer ignored, much of this disappears.
0: All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, How much time? Oh, we're really like five minutes into the show. Is that true? Well, that says 12. 12, 12. I I don't know how to read that. I've got 14 past. Yeah, that's 12 minutes, 14 seconds. Oh, we're 12 minutes in. Okay. All right. We've got a new monitor here and I'm still trying to figure out what all the things mean. Um, So we had some some national news. I definitely want to get some local news later on. Um, But we had some national news this week, Paul. We had Paul Manafort, who was the Campaign manager at one point for a very brief period of time of uh, Donald Trump and his lawyer, Cohen, probably one of the most despicable people to ever walk the face of the earth, uh, was uh, pled guilty to a number of charges, including, you know, something way worse than murder, way worse than child molestation, way worse than all this campaign finance Mm. violations. Mm. Just awful. I mean, can you imagine a campaign finance violation? None of this has My anything. goodness. None of
1: this so far has anything, anything, even indirectly, to do with uh, Russian collusion.
0: Yes. And yet, they did a survey of Democrats, and 80% of Democrats who responded, and I believe this is a CNN survey, if anybody wants to look it up. CNN, I, th- I think it was CNN with someone else did a survey. They said 80% of Democrats don't know that the Manafort trial has nothing to do with Russia. <laughs> All right. And that's mostly because 80% of Democrats are getting their news from Democrat what they consider Democrat news sources, which is just political news sources, giving them talking points, not giving them news mm-hmm. like CNN, MSNBC, The New York Well, Times. they're
1: all excited. I mean, MSNBC had its highest ratings, I think, in its history last night, according to Judge. Did they really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, because of all this. Good
0: for them. I no, mean, they no. need something.
1: <laughs> what the hope is, as you know, I think, is that... In getting these, uh, Manafort and Cohen, uh, giving them uh, jail sentences of, of 50 years to life, you have more leverage on them. Right. So now you can pressure them to, as what they say, either sing or orchestrate something against Trump so that they can finally get Trump. That's the, that's the entire. Yeah, um, but if there's nothing the there. If there's nothing there, they'll, could they lie? And, um, could they stretch the truth? They
0: could, but I don't think it's going to work because there's nothing there. Right? like They can lie, mm-hmm. and they can go to court, and he, they can try and impeach him, but once you get to, and I'm learning this with my lawsuit, once you get to a point where people actually put the emotion aside in a courtroom, mm-hmm. and everybody's thinking about it with a sober mind, and everybody's being real serious, and it's not all the gotcha phrases and talking points and people talking over each other, and you actually drill down into what's fact and what's not fact, I don't think there's anything there. I don't think Donald Trump colluded how with, do the, we, how, with the Russians. Okay. I don't think people on his campaign were colluding with the Russians. And by the way, colluding isn't even against the law. Well, but can
1: he be caught for doing something relating to the finance uh, campaign finance laws? Yes, but it won't be enough for impeachment. Mm, with, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true, too, because just look at, look at MSNBC's audience. If... If they do in the midterms get enough Democrats there, don't you think something can
0: be finagled? Yeah, they can, but it's not going to get past the Senate. They're not going to win the Senate. They, they'll take the House, but they're not going to win mm. the Senate. And the Senate is the one that conducts the impeachment. So um, it's not going to be enough for impeachment. It's certainly not going to be enough to convict Donald Trump. I know people desperately want to believe he's a Nazi and he's a criminal and he should be in jail. And th- all of that is just fantasy by people who don't like him and people who want someone else to be to be president.
1: Just to be technical. Um, there, as you know, there's a distinction between impeachment and conviction of a president. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Clinton was impeached, but he wasn't convicted from office. Do you know who the other person was that was impeached? Uh, Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Um, and uh, and uh, Richard Nixon.
0: Nope, never. Oh, impeached. he, oh, he was
1: almost impeached, right. but he resigned. He resigned first. Yeah. Yep so it 's possible that he could be impeached and not convicted. Right. who know, who knows what the future will bring And How with this?
0: scummy is this Cohen guy he 's your lawyer, right, and you 're calling him on the mm-hmm. phone and you 're talking to him about sensitive legal stuff. Everything's supposed to be between you and him there's supposed to be a veil of silence uh, be, you know for your lawyer to not you know ever betray your trust, betray your confidence you're supposed to be able to if you 're a murderer you 're supposed to be able to tell the lawyer, "Look, I did it," and he can 't tell anybody that you said you did it right mm. that's how serious lawyers are supposed to keep the secrets of their clients. And this, this clown was recording conversations with his client and keeping them to use against him, his own client. Now, regardless of what happens, even if he got found not guilty of everything and he didn't plead guilty to anything, he loses his bar card. He's never going to be a lawyer ever again. Hmm. And that's just the most despicable thing I can even imagine any human being doing because I'm in a business of trust. If a police chief from a certain community calls me and says, look, Tom, I've got some information, but you absolutely can't say it came from me because I'm not going to get my contract renewed or the mayor is going to come after me if I say, if he knows it came from me, but I'm going to show you where you can look to find a good story. If you look here and here, you're going to find out somebody's stealing money, mm. right? But you can't come from me. So I go out and I do the work and I write the story and then some scum- scumbag sues me and says, I want to know who your sources are. Like the last time I got sued by the Diatomos, right? And we, we didn't lose that one either. Um, I go into court and I show audio recordings of conversations that I had with my sources to get myself out of it. Mm. That's the most despicable thing a human being can do. To to give someone your ultimate trust that no matter what you do, if you give me this information, I'm not gonna out you as a source. And Prepare beforehand to out them as a source.
1: All right. Let me challenge you on that. Suppose I'm a judge and I say, Mr. Duggan, we have you uh, indicted on, on this count and, and convicted, and we're going to give you life in prison without any parole mm-hmm. unless unless you out this particular source because we think we can get something on him because we think he's, he's a criminal. Now, if you do that, we'll give you six months.
0: What do you you do? I was prepared the last time I got sued to go to jail not to give my sources. I was prepared this time to go to jail without giving my sources. And what I would do is I would say my word is worth a little bit more than everything else. And if I don't have my word, I'm out of business anyway. So if I walk into court and I start spewing sources, and by the way, having beforehand... Had the, had the frame of mind to record my 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 sources, to record the people that I gave a trust to. Just the fact that that recording exists shows what a scumbag that he is, that he was luring his clients in. You don't know, he had the presence of mind. He knew that that was being recorded. So he obviously was not going to say that he was doing anything wrong, but he's certainly luring the other person in during the conversation who doesn't know it's being recorded. And if I were to go to court, if I were to, even during this, this uh, uh lawsuit that I'm in now or in previous lawsuits. And by the way, in the previous lawsuit, the Diademos said to me, if you don't give us our sources, we're gonna march across the street before a judge, you're gonna go to jail until you give our sources. I called every one of my sources and said, if you don't want me to give your name, I'm prepared to go to jail. Billy Manzi said, Use my name, I don't want you to go to jail. Right? Mike Sullivan said, Use my name, I don't want you to go to jail. So all of my sources, all six of them, said gotcha, we don't okay. we don't want you to go to yeah. go to jail. Let's fight this guy together. Use our name and we'll all come in and we'll support you. All right. Mm. Now, any one of them could have said, no way you can't use my name. Mm. And that would have been it. I would, I would have said, no, I can't I can't give all my sources, but one and still Mm. go to jail. I'm just not going to give any sources. That's what, that's what an ethical person does. You give someone your word and you back it, you back it with who you are and your, and your reputation and, uh, and everything that you stand for. And if you're the kind of person who's recording the conversation to begin with, I think, like, forget the Trump stuff, forget all the politics of it. What a despicable human being that is.
1: Very uh, litigiously minded. Um, look at Amorosa. She did the same thing, didn't she? Well,
0: yeah, another another really despicable human being. She's in the She's in the situation room in the White House, and she's taping conversations. She's having phone calls with members of the White House, and she's taping the conversations. And again, if you're the person taping the conversation— you can steer the conversation so that the other person will say something you know can be misinterpreted the uh, wrong way. That's true. And so it becomes a setup. And that's one of the reasons why, by the way, in Massachusetts, you have to have both party consent to record a conversation. When a candidate for Congress calls me and says, I want to do an interview with you, I always say, I'm gonna I hit record first and say, I'm recording, is it okay that I record your phone call? And she'll say, Well, are you gonna use it for anything? and I'll say no, I just want it so that while I'm taking notes, if maybe I wrote something wrong or I've got a question, I can go back and listen to it, but I'll destroy it once the, once the story comes out.
1: Uh, now, Tom, do you think the Amarosa hiring may have been an error in judgment? I mean, that one just kind of caught me by surprise when it happened.
0: Well, you, I, it could be, and it could end up being a brilliant move. Um, having Amarosa helped him with the African-American population. Um, you've got a woman who's African-American, a black African-American um, who is uh, established? Um, everyone knows her from The Apprentice. Um, she is uh, very aggressive. She went out and campaigned very hard for him. She got him a lot of African American votes. Uh, I think Trump looks at people through their usefulness, and she has outlived her usefulness. Well, the question with Emma Rosa, well, one of them is that if she heard
1: him say the N word on, on The Apprentice, or mm-hmm. if she has, why did she? continue on being his friend right. and accept this job in the White House. And then at what point did she turn on him? Was it because she didn't like being laid off?
0: Yes, yeah, she was unhappy you know? she was being fired. But by the way, what a great decision to fire her, given that now we find out she was taping, phone con- she was taping conversations in the Situation Room. Imagine she's in the Situation Room, and she's recording a conversation between the president and, um, and, and one of the generals, about invading Syria or invading some other country, invading the Palestinian territories for some mission, and she's on her way home and she drops her tape recorder and somebody finds it. Yeah. Like, I mean, th- there's a reason why there are security clearances, and this goes to all the Clapper stuff, right, with, um, with Brennan and all those guys losing their, their uh, security clearance. There's no need for people from prior administrations to have security clearance unless the current administration finds them valuable to ongoing investigations. And if Trump doesn't find you valuable... You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have your security clearance, and and I mean, I don't. I don't understand how a human being. I just don't because it's just not who I am. Whether it's Cohen or Amorosa, could be in a position of trust, be trusted, be in a. I mean, you're dealing with national security secrets that could really get people killed, and you're treating it so cavalierly, and you, and and your word means nothing. I won't be around people who. I, seriously, whether it's in business or in my personal life, whether it's candidates that I support, I will not be around people who are untrustworthy people, people who have no ethics, people who brag to me about how they screwed someone else over. Just tells me that I'm going to be next, and I want no part of those kinds of people. Then, what
1: does this say about Donald Trump, who surrounds himself with people who have all of these, all of this baggage, and who who are willing to? Um, well,
0: I think every pre- I him. think every president has. Um, I think if you remember Bush and even Reagan, they had their Judases, they had people working for them that were scurrilous. Um, Clinton certainly went through, I think, I don't know, like five cabinet members his first couple of months uh, that had to leave. Um, I I, I think the focus that it's Trump is just because he's, he's president now, but just going back to the pedophile priest situation, you've always got a small group of people in any large organization, whether it's the White House Uh, whether it's a White House staff, whether it's a police department, whether it's a church. You're always going to have, no matter how much you try to vet them, no matter how good you think they are during interviews, you're always going to have dishonest people who have fooled you to believe that they're honest. You put them in a position of trust, and then they screw you. I can tell you... Just don't marry one. Of all the people... Right, right. Of all the people that I've fired at the Valley Patriot, and I have fired many, um, not one... Every single person I've had to fire for stealing... Is someone I've done a favor for Is someone who came to me crying Can I borrow a thousand dollars I can't get my car out of the shop I can't do deliveries without my car Can you give me the advance on my pay And then I do And then that turns out to be the person Six months later I find out is stealing from me hmm. um, people, who are, people who are immoral uh, People who are unethical are very good at manipulating other people into thinking they're the exact opposite. And you can always tell who they are, too. They're the ones that run around, like, you know, we know a su- certain superintendent in the Merrimack Valley who likes to always run around and say how transparent she is. I'm very transparent, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very... The Methuen schools are always so transparent. We do everything with transparency around here. And she's the least transparent superintendent in the Merrimack Valley. So you always know who the unethical people are because they're always the people that are touting themselves as being ethical. Well,
1: I think in a, even without words... Those who are overly friendly, mm-hmm. you really can't trust them.
0: Yeah, you, very like, often. Listen, you can't trust anybody.
1: Well, you can't—not a hundred percent. You
0: can't trust anybody. But very
1: often, people are sort of um, trying to cover up right. the vile inside of them, and they go overboard the opposite way. Right. And uh, it's sometimes it's easy to to, to detect that. You
0: can always you can always tell how ethical somebody is, how moral somebody is when they hit a bad spot. When suddenly mm. they're behind on their mortgage, or suddenly they're having a problem with their kid and you watch, how they, you watch how they behave during that kind of a crisis, if they're the kind of person that immediately starts screwing everyone around them and stealing money to try and make up for it, that's not someone you want around. You know, if, they, if they're the person that suddenly starts blaming everyone else for their problems and uh, attacking the people around them, that's not the kind of person that you want to be around. And I've, I've had people that did really good job for my newspaper, and I've had to let them go because they were just completely unethical. And I didn't want, the, I didn't want them representing my paper. Now... I think I have really good judgment. I'm really good at people, I've been in the political game and the news game for a really long time, way too long, more than three decades. And I still get fooled. I still have people that come to me, I talk to them, I vet them, I talk to their friends, I talk to their enemies, I talk to their ex-wives, their ex-girlfriends, and then I hire them, and they turn out to be scumbags. So, I mean, you, you, you can't ever just really trust anybody. And usually it's the people you trust the most that screw you. You know, usually it's the people that you know, who would have thought in my previous relationship that, that any of that would have ever happened? Like, I was with someone for 11 years and I, it made me start questioning, like, how bad is my judgment that I trusted this person for 11 years? Like, what's wrong with me? Right?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a long story, Tom.
0: Go back to our relationship show. <laughs> By the way, that, relation, that relationship show got me in so much trouble. <laughs> Although it did have its benefits, uh, I have to admit. I would love to
1: just uh, counsel... Counsel you on the air for a whole hour to try to get to the bottom of all that. Of all
0: that, yeah, yeah, well, that would be fun. I w- I would talk about it, but it'll just get me in even more trouble. Remember that ex-girlfriend that said she was gonna? Uh, she she agreed to have coffee with me finally after like eight years. Okay, so I I called her. She didn't call me back. I emailed her. She didn't email me back. And I thought, okay. Well, but when we broke up, she blocked my emails and my phone, so it's probably still blocked. Mm. So I reached out to a friend of mine who I know no like follows her on Facebook for whatever reason and said, can you just do me a favor? Just shoot her like an email and tell her that like I've been trying to reach her. And if she's changed her mind and doesn't want to have coffee, that's fine. But I don't want her to think that I blew her off. And he called me back and said, she basically yelled at me in an instant message, blocked me on Facebook and threatened to report me if I contacted her again. So the only thing that I can think was that show. Because that, right, that show happened a week after I talked to her. Because there's been nothing else that has happened <laughs> since then. So I went back to And watch. you thought she watched it. You think she watched it. Well, you know what happens? Yeah. Whenever you talk about somebody yeah. publicly, whether it's a live feed or on this show, some asshole will run to the, uh, the person you're talking about and say, Duggan's talking about you. Yeah. And relays what you said, but usually wrong. Right. Um, right, so right, I don't know right, if she right. actually said, oh, okay, yeah. well, I'll go look and see what he now, you said. You never mentioned any names. You never, you well, never. I did. I mentioned first names, but oh, nobody, okay. nobody in my life today knows who that person is, except for maybe you, because you've been with me 15 years. Hmm. But, but most of the people who work for me are new. Most of the people in my life are new since that relationship. And nobody knows, like if I mention her name in front of people, most of the people in my, I surround myself with my life now go, Paula who? Mm. Right. So like nobody knows, nobody knows who she is, but it's like, you know what? Whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's what it is, but I'm happy to have that consultation from you, Paul, at some point. If you'd like to do a whole show, (laughs) that would be fun. It it would be certainly be fun for the people who love to hate me. Okay. People who watch my show that hate me would love that. So, all right, we're at the 29 mark. Do you want to you launch into something local, or do you want to take a quick break here, uh, Ed Sullivan? Let's go with a quick break. Let's go with a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk about the governor's race. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the uh, congressional races coming up, some of the local stuff. Um, at some point, I want to at least give everybody an update on what happened in court this week, because I'm getting a ton of phone calls on it. Um uh, Don't forget, uh, Political TNT here on Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Go over and find their their Facebook page. Find them on uh, YouTube. We'll be back after this. I'm paying attention. A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem... You bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angel will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we get Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales-Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first paying attention show, which was in 1999, back when he was Remax. He's not Remax anymore. Now he's Century 21, Team Zingales. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short... I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Uh, Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, He specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, He specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Diaz Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was a credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North our line. Ah, Ting Ting has joined us. We love having Ting Ting along. I know that didn't sound right, but that actually is her name. All righty. Tom Duggan. Paul Marano back on the Paying Attention podcast, Paul. Uh, we've got a number of things that, uh, that we can talk about. As the, um, as the crime in Lawrence seems to be dropping, Paul, the crime in Haverhill seems to be surging. And it's hard to get real numbers out of the uh, Ferentini administration. It's hard to find out from the, um, from the street level what's really going on because the Haverhill police don't have a public scanner frequency that the public can listen to. So you can listen to Lawrence or Methuen. And what I do is I drive around and I go live on Facebook. And if there's a shooting, I I go to the shooting and I show people what's there. And I, and I interview people there. And then I write a story up online for later on. And we'll use, we use some of the video and the photos. You couldn't do that in Haverhill because there is no public frequency to listen to just basic general police scanner calls. And so... Mayor Ferentini has found a way. I'm not sure how this is legal, and I still can't figure out why Haverhill residents have tolerated this for as long as they have. They need to file a complaint with the Secretary of State's office and the DA's office. They've yet to do that. I don't live in Haverhill, so I really can't. I mean, I guess I could, but it's not my fight. Um, but from everything we're seeing from WHAV, which is a great source for news in the Merrimack Valley, for Haverhill especially, uh, also for Methuen, um, Tim Coco at WHAV News, of which we used to work, we used to do a show there. Um, when we left CAP, he was nice enough to let us bring paying attention to WHAV for a short period of time. Um, they're now reporting uh, on a daily basis of raids that are going on in Haverhill of very serious gang members that we know are from Lawrence. Right? We see the names when they're getting arrested. I'm going, oh, I know that one and that one because I'm, I'm usually at the arrests. And we get the press releases and we write the stories. And so some names, you know, keep popping up over and over. And now what we're starting to see is a very certain popular gang in Lawrence that has almost completely taken over the city, as far as gang, as far as gang territory goes, is now far more prominent in Haverhill than it ever has been and causing an awful lot of carnage in Haverhill. Uh, this week, the Haverhill Police Gang Unit netted uh, drugs, guns, and cash in a bust uh, on, on Vine Street. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from directly from WHAV. Uh, Haverhill's newly formed gang unit made uh, a major bust on the city's Vine, uh, Vine Street, netting drugs, cash. You already said that. Police executed a search warrant August 14th on 8 Vine Street, the home of Jose Delbray, uh, recovering a Glock 10 millimeter handgun, reported stolen from Pelham, New Hampshire, a 380 handgun, and two flat screen TVs that were presumed stolen uh, from the department. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. The department confirmed, uh, and then they go on to all the drugs and the other guns that they recovered, and uh, this goes this goes directly to a gang that is uh, very prominent in Lawrence. So we're starting to see with the alphabet soup Paul of law enforcement since last August. Now it's almost a full year. That next week it will be a full year since uh, since Trump sent the FBI, the DEA, the ATF. Uh, customs enforcement. The U.S. Marshals are constantly in Lawrence. Like, who sees a U.S. Marshal? Right? Have you ever seen a U.S. Marshal? Like, you're driving down the street, you see like a U.S. Marshal drive-by. The U.S. Marshals are in Lawrence on a regular basis, picking up fugitives. Um, and part of, part of the reason for that is that Lawrence is considered a sanctuary city even though technically it's not a sanctuary city. But the criminals think it's a sanctuary city, so they're all going to Lawrence for sanctuary, and then they get there, and ATF is picking them up, and ICE is picking them up, uh, which is great. And it's kind of the, the dirty little secret of Lawrence. I shouldn't be letting it out, but it's so delicious when I'm driving around the city, and all of a sudden I see ICE, and there's like 12 ICE guys, and they jump out with their M4s and their masks on, and they just kick doors in and start dragging people out. It's, just, it's amazing to watch. And because of that, and they've been doing that since last August, Most of the major crime syndicate has moved to Haverhill. Hmm. And because the people of Haverhill can't monitor what's going on in a frequency on the police scanner, nobody knows what's really going on. So there could be 10 shootings a night, but if a neighbor doesn't hear the shooting and pull out their camera and take a picture and post it on Facebook, and the department doesn't send out a press release the next day, nobody even knows it happened. Local uh, newspapers still can't pick it up. Right. So while the Tribune's left, look, the Tribune doesn't drive around Lawrence. I'm driving around, I've been driving around Lawrence since 2009. I've never seen the Tribune out there. Um, and if they're not driving around Lawrence, they sure as hell not driving around Haverhill. Um, Does Haverhill have a Gazette? Yeah, but it's uh, owned by the Tribune. Okay. If they're still in business. I'm not even sure the Haverhill Gazette is still in business. But if they are, I know they're owned by the Tribune or they were. Um, so we've got that. We've got the, the local stuff. That Lawrence's good news is now Haverhill's bad news. And I'm going to try really hard over the next three or four weeks to get Haverhill Police Chief John DeNaro... Back on the show He was on our very first show And we had that lineup of police chiefs Talking about the opioid crisis And he said something That we've repeated on the show And I'm going to repeat it again Because we want to get him on, Paul mm-hmm. That when it gets hot in Lawrence The criminals move to Haverhill And when it gets hot in Haverhill They move back to Lawrence And he, is, he at the time was saying it Because he was looking for a way To partner with Lawrence And other law enforcement communities So that doesn't happen So that maybe they go somewhere Other than Haverhill When things start getting hot in Lawrence and so far, that hasn't happened. So do the feds know this pattern? And do they try to follow it? Yeah, I would imagine that they would. I mean, they don't talk about it, right? So okay. we, don't, we don't know what their strategies are at the federal level, the Department of Justice. But boy, they've been real busy in Lawrence. I mean, they're real busy. And when ICE comes into Lawrence, I never go live. I never take pictures. Well, that's not true. Sometimes I take pictures just for me because it's just so cool to watch. But I don't publish them. And I don't publish stories because the last thing I want is someone who supports ICE and supports law enforcement, I don't want to write a story about how ICE just deported 10 people from, say, I don't know, like, you know, Lawrence Street, and then have all of the liberals out in Lawrence picketing that this is all racism, and, 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 and being against ICE, and having people in the neighborhoods fighting ICE when they show up. Because we see in Philadelphia, we see in Chicago and in New York, when ICE shows up in a neighborhood, and it's a predominantly black or Latino neighborhood that the neighbors turn on ice, that the neighbors start attacking ice so that they can't grab someone and deport them. And I don't want that for Lawrence. So whenever I find out there's a raid, I've got a couple of guys that tip me off, and God bless them for doing that because they can lose their job. Um, they call me. They tell me. I go. I sit a half a block away. I use my Zoom on my camera to watch. Every once in a while, I'll just snap a picture just for me. Um, I always black out. There's actually a picture of um, of an ATF Agent in this edition of the Valley Patriot. I blacked out his face. He's carrying an M one and he's got the um he's got the bulletproof vest on that says ATF on it. Um it's it's wonderful to watch. It's wonderful to watch them draining the swap in Lawrence. And we see with the dramatic decrease I know I've talked about it a number of times, um, but fifty percent decrease in violent crime in Lawrence, Paul. Fifty percent. Like I don't know anywhere where that's happening, anywhere. And it's happening in Lawrence. It's pretty amazing. So the next time there's a shooting and I go and I report on the shooting and morons come on my page and say, how come you never report when it's nice out here, when there's no crime? I do.
1: Well, here's the question, the, the million-dollar question. Um, is What is the permanent solution? I mean, ICE, the feds, they're not going to stay there forever. No. Nope. So is there is there a permanent solution being hopefully—
0: Bandied about, and uh, and what might it be? I think part of the long-term solution yeah. is what Trump is trying to do and has been trying to do since he started running, which is you build a wall on the southern border and you stop mm-hmm. people from streaming across in th- in the thousands. Now the the counter argument to that is just bogus. The counter argument is you're never going to stop them. They're going to mm-hmm. tunnel. They're going to tunnel under. They're going to go over. They're going to find a way. No, some people will find a way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same reason why you lock your car door, even though someone can break your window and steal your car anyway, right? right. You, you want it to be a deterrent for the... Most, most crimes are crimes of opportunity, right? People yeah. who understand law enforcement know most crimes are crimes of opportunity. If someone walks by your car and the doors are locked and your wallet's on the front seat, they might not break the window to steal it. They might, but most people don't. But if the door is unlocked and they walk by and they see your wallet on the street, they're, much, they're going to be much more tempted to steal it because there's an easier opportunity. You build a wall because now you don't have... 10,000 unaccompanied minors streaming across the border in a week, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, some people are still going to tunnel under. Some people are still going to get over. But we all lock our doors even though someone can break in a window. We all lock our homes even though someone can break the door down. You, You, you have security to deter those people who are going to be criminals of opportunity. And then for those who are, listen, I wear a bulletproof vest, right? But if someone really wants to kill me, I carry a weapon. I do everything I can. I have a security team. Sometimes that drives with me. But if there's someone who really wants to kill me, they're going to get me, right? If they really, if someone's really determined to get over that wall, they're going to get over that wall. But most people aren't really all that determined. Most people don't have that life mission that that's what I'm going to do. So you take as many precautions as you can. I think is my answer to that question, Paul. There you go. Where were we
1: now? Normal people uh, are are criminals of opportunity. And, of course, there are that small percentage
0: that are professional criminals. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, how many people have threatened to sue me, but very few people actually do, right? Um, How many people threaten to kill you in your lifetime, but they don't, right? Right. Most crimes are a crime of opportunity. Anyways, uh, where were we on that? What was that? T- what was the topic on that one? Oh, that was the Lawrence uh, Havel topic. All right, good. Um, I've got another story, Paul. Now this goes. We probably should have done this when we were talking about people without ethics. Okay. Now everyone remembers that um, a couple of years ago when State Senator Barbara Lattian was running for State Senate, she didn't pay her taxes. Mm-hmm. So we wrote a story at the Valley Patriot saying she didn't pay her taxes. We called the town. We got a copy of the taxes that didn't get paid, and we published it. She went on the radio and called us a liar um, and then said that her opponent didn't pay his taxes. That became mm-hmm. her answer, that her opponent didn't pay his taxes. Okay. Her mm-hmm. opponent at the time was Alex Vespoli, and she claimed that he had a tax lien on his property. So we called town hall. We got the documents turned out. He, did, he, he didn't have a lien on his home. He remortgaged his home, mm. and when you remortgage your home— they give you a lien that tells you how much you owed on the property on taxes so you can clean that up before you remortgage the home, right? So it was like a one-day lien that he got because he was remortgaging his home. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because Barbara Italian, of course, got elected anyway. She's the state senator. She lives in Andover. And she's running for Congress in that field of 10 people. This week, so I mean, to me, Paul, that, that, that shows me somebody who, before we go forward, has no ethics.
1: Well, if she didn't pay her taxes, why was she voted in?
0: Um, because Democrats don't care.
1: And why wasn't she arrested or something? I mean, this, this was one of the counts against Manafort, right. wasn't it? Right.
0: it? So she didn't pay her taxes. Um, to me, the offense was more not her paying her taxes. Right. We all have financial mm-hmm. issues. We all have financial difficulties. it's time we behind on our taxes, behind on our bills. To me, the offense was denying it, trying to put the mm. stink on your opponent, mm. who's innocent of what you did, and... And being dishonest and unethical and immoral about it. To me, I always look at what kind of person someone is. I don't get stuck in this political stuff. Well, oh, well, he did it and she did it. And he robbed a bank, so why are you being mad at me? She didn't pay her taxes. She lied about it. She tried to put the stink on someone else. And it all turned out to be a lie on her part. Yeah, it's the
1: denial and the transference that's the real evil.
0: So now here we are. Barbara Latayan is running for Congress. Could anyone expect anything less in a congressional candidate than we got in a Senate candidate? There are 10 people running in this race. Out of full disclosure, I've endorsed Juana Matias. I am not a Democrat, um, but I think she certainly represents the, what the, where the Democrats are and what the Democrats need right now, um, and not from a right-wing perspective, but from a left-wing perspective. Um, a flyer went out to people in Methuen this week. It was a flyer for Barbara Italian. The flyer, Paul, had a picture of... Barbara Italian and state representative Diana DeSaglio, who's running for state senate in a different district. Okay. Diana is the chosen one of Methuen. There is no one who doesn't love Diana DeSaglio. When her senate race comes in November, she's going to win like 90% of Methuen. She is loved. She works hard, and she does a great job as a state representative, which is what she is currently now. But, but, Barbara Letalian, but Diana DeSaglio is not endorsing Barbara Letalian. Okay. And Barbara Italian sent out a flyer with a picture of her and Diana DeSaglio Di to make it look like Diana DeSaglio Di supports endorsed, her campaign. But doesn't say it. But it doesn't say it. So this is, this is the lying that politicians do. Lawyers do this all the time. They play literal word games. They say, well, I didn't say she endorsed me. No, but you purposely gave that impression, and that's the same thing. To me, that's the same thing. In fact, that's worse because you're being, you're being dishonest about it. I mean, if you came out and you said, she's endorsing me, uh, all right, you're lying, but at least you're being overt about your lie. <laughs> when you're being subversive about your lie, that makes it even worse. You're like double lying. It's, yeah, it's,
1: it's like a double lie. It's
0: like a double lie. So she sent out this flyer, and now my phone's ringing off the mm. hook from people who know that I'm friends with Diana. And they're saying, hey, wait a minute. Mm. When well, I got this flyer, Diana's endorsing Barbara Italian. So I'm like, wait a minute. I had lunch with Diana Sunday. She told me she hates Barbara oh, She didn't say that. She, <laughs> she, 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 doesn't, she doesn't she's not supporting anybody in this race. So I called Diana. I said, listen, Diana, were you being dishonest with me when we had lunch? You said you're not endorsing anybody. She said, I'm not endorsing anybody. I said, well, let me email you a flyer that someone just sent me. Apparently, Barbara Italian thinks you are. I wants others to think you are? It did not go well after yeah. that. Hmm. So Diana Zaglio, not happy. Not happy that, that Barbara Italian has sent out a misleading flyer, at least a misleading flyer. There's no
1: legal recourse to that. You can't say that they lied about me or or misrepresented me. No,
0: it's all free speech stuff. Mm. And, you know, when you live in a country that has free speech, as much as we don't like what people are doing, being dishonest and being deceitful and being immoral and unethical, which is, to me, the worst, um, we have to tolerate that Mm -hmm. in a free society. And the best way to combat that is to use our free speech to call it out, right? So uh, I, the government shouldn't step in the way here. It should be up to the voters to educate themselves. It's up to me as a member of the press to inform the voters. If you're living in Methuen and you got one of these flyers, Barbara Latalian is not being endorsed by Diana DiZoglio. Diana's running for state senate in a different district, and she's running her own race. And she's actually being smart by not endorsing somebody. Because let's say she does come out and she endorses Barbara Latalian. All the Juan and Matias supporters... Or all of the Laurie Trahan supporters that are in that district are going to go, yeah, you know what? I'm not voting for Diana now. She's supporting the other candidate. Why would I? And there's, by the way, 10 candidates in this race. So by Barbara doing this, what she really did was she didn't elevate herself with Methuen voters because the word's getting out. What she's done is she has sullied Diana's reputation among the other t- nine candidates in that race that maybe their supporters shouldn't be voting for Diana. And to me, that goes back to the Cohen discussion and the Omarosa discussion. Barbara Italian just becomes a despicable human being at that point. And I'm sorry, because I actually like talking to Barbara. I see her. We've, we've had a spotty relationship, for sure. Um, but I at least had gained a respect for her after the last issue that we had with her taxes. And we had spoken several times after that. I even wrote a great story about her going to Israel And her time in Israel and posted the pictures and what she learned and she came to my office and I interviewed her and wrote a great glowing story about what she did. Because I thought what she did was great, regardless of the fact that I didn't really like her. And I really kind of thought, okay, she's learned her lesson and Barbara is kind of back on the straight and narrow. I might not agree with her anymore on on things, but at least she's not going to be behaving unethically as an elected official or a candidate. And then, boom, she pulls this. Hmm. And, again, forget the politics of it. What kind of a human being are you is what we have to ask the people that are running for office. And I know some people get all worked up that Donald well, Trump cheated on his wife. I, that stuff doesn't bother me. That stuff doesn't bother me. That, that's your personal life that has nothing to do with the public sphere, the public's money, um, the, the public realm.
1: Is it possible that the candidate doesn't know what's going on in some of the advertising?
0: Let's play that out. Let's say that's true. That makes it worse. That, that because what kind, of a, what kind of a congressman will you be that stuff will go out with your name on it and you won't know what it is, that you won't have done your homework and approved it? Everything that goes out of the Valley Patriot office, no matter who compiles it, when we do mailings for advertising, when we do mailings for the bash, I have to sign and approve every single piece of mail that goes out. Because it's my name on it, it's my company name on it, mm. and I want to make sure that there aren't any mistakes. Sometimes you just, Sometimes someone screws up. We have volunteers that work for us. God bless them, they work for free, but sometimes they screw up. Sometimes you know, their heart's not into what they're doing, they're having a bad day, and they screw up. And it says, we don't want your, you know, a mailing list says, please, we don't want your, your, your donation for the bash. And wait, what do you mean, don't? You, you screwed up, you got to pull the word don't out. Um, so if Barbara Italian didn't know, which I don't believe for a second she didn't know, but if she didn't know, that to me actually makes it worse, because... It's your name, and it's your flyer, and you're the candidate. And by the way, the buck stops with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised by all of this. I'm also surprised we reached out to Laurie Trahan, who I think is another candidate in that race that I have some respect for. Um, and I also reached out to Juana Matias and asked them for a quote, because I'm going to be writing a story about this for the, for the next edition, maybe even for online before the election. Um, and Lori Trahan did not want to give us a comment on that, which was a little disappointing. I thought that was very disappointing on that. so she can Barbara Latellian on the show. She D- won't come on the show. She won't stuff. come on the show. She's a coward. Mm-hmm. Just like Judy didn't show up in court. Coward, cowards don't ever want to face people. That's how they are. So, you got anything for us, Paul? Not at this moment. No. Nope. No? Nope. Mm-hmm. What else you got? Uh, we have the Baker-Lively um, uh, race. Uh, Charlie Baker, who's running for re-election as the governor of Massachusetts. Running against a guy named Scott Lively, whom I've known and known of for about 30 years. Um, This is a nightmare scenario for Republicans if Charlie Baker were to lose this. I can't imagine that he does. Um, The people supporting Lively are the people that I and probably you have walked away from uh, in the last four or five years. The people who are the far right of the Republican Party in Massachusetts, who want everything to be about abortion, who want everything to be about gay marriage, who can't see beyond anything but. Um, those basic two issues And that everyone who disagrees with them is the enemy I tend to think that way I know you do, <laughs> I, know I, th- you do. I think those are the two
1: most important issues The cultural issues Then everything else falls into place
0: I, I almost, now, I think what I you're almost saying, don't disagree with you
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying is that People who uh, support Scott Lively Are willing to torch the entire house Right so that a Democrat eventually gets, gets right. Uh,
0: elected. Right. So a lot of my Tea Party friends, in fact, most of my Tea Party friends are supporting Lively. I am not. Um, most of the right-wing conservative friends that I have in, in Republican circles are all supporting Lively. I am not. They are rightfully angry at Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker has done some really monumentally stupid things it, from a well, conservative perspective. In Massachusetts However When you ask these people And I say this In a derisive way Because I have contempt for it When you ask these people Paul Yeah well, would you rather have a Martha Coakley? Well, that's the question. Who is who is going to be the
1: Democrat candidate? Right. Do we know?
0: Whoever it is, they're going to be a, they're going to be a left wing traitor who cares more about Mexicans than Americans, who wants to raise your taxes, who cares more right. about transgenders and right. care about our, our homeless troops. I understand. But so no matter who gets in, they're still Charlie Baker is still better on his you, worst day than any Democrat. But the right is so angry that Charlie Baker is not towing the line on their issues right. that they'd rather have. And when you ask them, would you rather have a Martha Coakley? Would you? rather have a John Kerry their answer is yes like if they're being honest their answer is yes and the reason their answer is yes is because then they can rail against it then Mm. they can raise money on it and they can send out flyers and say look how horrible it is that Deval Patrick is letting transgenders talk to your children in school
1: well are you absolutely convinced that Scott
0: Lively cannot
1: win the general
0: election Scott Lively I have a better chance of winning a general election as a Republican in Massachusetts, given all the insensitive and horrible things I've said in my past in public, I have a better chance than Scott Lively.
1: Okay, I've not been following this, so I don't know the kind of candidate he is, well, but is it, is it his stances
0: on issues, or is it his personality? He is very anti-gay, and I know that, this, that, the, that the pushback on that is you can be anti-gay marriage and not be anti-gay. That's true, but this guy is both. This is the same guy, by the way, when Christine Morabito was president of the Greater Boston Tea Party, we used to have our tea party rallies on the Common every year on tax day, April 15th. This is the guy who three or four years ago went on like January 3rd or 4th, the first day of the year that the state house was open, went down and pulled a permit as the Greater Boston Tea Party so he could run the Greater Boston Tea Party rally and it became an anti-gay rally is what it became. And he got up there and Channel 7 and Channel 5 showed this guy and what he was saying about gays, what he was saying about what he called the gay lobby, which he's not wrong about, by the way, but what he was saying about the gay lobby and applying it to, quote, gays. And they used that to make the Tea Party look like we were a bunch of gay haters, which we were not. It was a small fraction of that Tea Party. And so Christine Morabito boycotted. She sent out letters and said, we're boycotting the Tax Day Tea Party this year. We're going to join the Worcester Tea Party, and we're going to rally in Worcester. And I remember And we're going to have a funeral for Obamacare, and that's what we did that I year. Re- I remember that. Okay? So this guy, they're going to take his quotes from the million shows that he's been on on cable— saying how gays are going to hell and all this other stuff, which may or may not be true, but you know what the media is going to do with it. And he has zero chance of winning. Attila the Hun could be the Democrat. And if he's the Republican, he loses in Massachusetts. So to put this guy up and say that he can win, he can't win. He can't win. There's nothing that could happen. The other person could get shot the night before the election, and he still loses. So to put him up against Charlie Baker and take out a guy who's with us maybe... 40% Forty percent of the time, on a good day, fifty percent of the time, means you're going to have someone who's with you zero percent of the time. Well, they said the same thing
1: about Trump that he couldn't win, but and nobody S- thought he was going to win until
0: Scott, the, until the ninety-one. Right. Actually, but Scott Lively's not Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump won because of a whole bunch of things that all it was like it was like the perfect storm of things that happened to, for him to win. But you're right. Most people said he couldn't win. But because he did, we know there's an exception to every rule, and we know that that exception to every rule doesn't negate the rule. Is there a 0.01% chance that Scott Lively could win a final election? Yeah, there might be a 0.1% chance, that same 0.1% chance that got Donald Trump elected. But statistically, how likely is that to happen in this case? I don't really think. Is Lively the only one that's going up against in, in the primary? Yeah. So it's him versus Baker in the primary. We vote the day after Labor Day. I want to push that today and on the mm-hmm. next show uh, because the fact is um, most people aren't going to vote. It's going to be a very low turnout. And so it's going to be who gets their vote out. I think Charlie Baker wins. I think he wins a final election. I think he gets another term. Um, it's not great for Massachusetts, but it's certainly good for Massachusetts considering the alternative. The so. better a better are the two evils you right, saying. Right, right. So I primed you on something three times during the show, and you just completely let it go over your head, and now we're out of, we're out of time. So tell people who you are, where they can find you. We're right. We've got two minutes left. We've got to start wrapping up. Yeah, it's about
1: that time. Okay. Two-minute warning. Yeah. Two-minute warning. Two-minute warning. Well, I'm Paul Marano. I do a lot of things, one of which is my Beneath the Surface radio show. We just celebrated 15 years on, on the Fifteen air. 15
0: years? Not the
1: radio show, per se, but, oh, okay. but to, to combine it with the Beneath the Surface television show, it's been 15 years. Excellent. started in 2003. Wow. So just
0: uh, just Google Beneath now, the Surface. No, is it really 15 years, Paul? You, I, wait, I want to count the months. Yeah.
1: Now, you know what? I invite you to do it because All this right. time I know the numbers are correct. All right. okay. We started in the summer of 2003. So just Google Paul Marano with Beneath the Surface and uh, you can listen to it. I also teach college. I also have a one-man band. Uh, and uh, several other stuff. All right. In fact, I, I, I write for your newspaper.
0: He does write for the Valley Patriot. We appreciate. it Actually, one of the best columns in there. Uh, one of my favorite things mm. to do yeah. is I don't read your column when it comes in. Yeah. I send it to the, to the editors. They edit it. Actually, they don't even edit it anymore because you you get upset when we change things. So <laughs> I actually just drop it in. And then when the paper physically comes out, the day the paper comes out, I go to the warehouse, I fill my truck, then I go to Dunkin' Donuts, I order my coffee, and I sit in the parking lot and I read your column. <laughs> That's true I'm not uh, making that up Is mine the first one you it's, read? Yeah, you know, the first column I go to Oh, too funny I've got to go read Paul's column Because I know I'm going to be getting hate mail Yes And, so I, so need to, might, and I need yeah. to know what it says You, you might as well be, uh, yeah But I want to read you're it protected. Now, there's something about holding the newspaper in your hand And reading it in the, in, Yeah, It's very yes. different it's, than it's, reading it's the,
1: it It's the real experience that other people are going to be having Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's the credibility of what you're reading Because you're holding something in yes, your hand indeed So, for those of you who have been asking me Paul was supposed to ask me about uh, what happened in court this week But he blew it even though I brought it up three times Oh, yeah, what happened? Really quick you got 10 15 15 seconds. Seconds, dude. So uh, we're not gonna tell you. But um, Yeah, anything we, good? We'll talk about good. Oh, phenomenal. Po- positive? Phenomenal. You happy? Phenomenal. The judge came in and said she's treating it as a motion for summary judgment instead of a motion to dismiss, which has all kinds of great legal implications for us. Oh, maybe you can talk about it next week. We will maybe, maybe talk about it next week. Maybe Kim Anderson? Yes, Kim Kidney at Gmail. Kim Kidney1960 at gmail.com. She's looking for a kidney. Please, uh, please uh, talk to your friends. See if you know anybody that can do that. Uh, Melvin Taylor says, "Go home." So go home already. Oh yeah, let's listen to that. I love that song. I, I listen to this in my car. Good song, yeah it is. And there's actually a Worthing. It's a bar in um, Lowell. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Worthing. That's what the song's about. Oh. Meet me okay. at the Worthing. Oh. Gotcha.
1: Oh. So lead, lead with your,
0: right. All your and series, getting pretty tight you expressed by the hosts guests or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the studio 21 podcast cafe the united podcast network its partners or affiliates